0: Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoRei.com. John Thomas Sinclair is a realtor and an investor who started his career in West Tennessee. He talks about moving to the Northwest, finding and creating his success, and his most lucrative deals to date. Stay tuned. All right. John Thomas Sinclair? <laughs> or do you prefer JT? JT's good. JT's good? Okay. How long have you been JT? Uh, it's a
1: mix, man. I feel like I should talk like this.
0: You could just bring it up closer. As okay. so long as you're I'm talking, talking like into it somewhat. All
1: right. Uh, how long have I been JT? I, it's a mix, man. I moved here from Tennessee. Am I supposed to look there? <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, we can here and there. Sure. That or we just. All right. I moved here from Tennessee uh, 14, 15 years ago, and people don't understand a double name. So uh, I just let people go with JT. I don't like John because there's a lot of Johns out there, so JT or John Thomas.
0: How many Johns are in this office alone, Who would you say?
1: I don't know, probably 15. There's 10, a lot of Johns. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of them. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's a differentiator. It's a pain in the rear to try to explain my name to people, but Got it's it. the one thing I held on from the south.
0: Right on. so you're from Tennessee initially. Yeah, you were born born there, raised there.
1: Yep. Okay. What part? Uh, Northwest Tennessee, about two hours above Memphis.
0: Okay. Gotcha. And um, what for? So you're a real estate investor and an agent. Do you do anything else?
1: I have a lot of kids.
0: A lot of kids. Yeah, that's all. That's a full time job. Yeah. <laughs> so what what first got you interested in real estate, um, either investing or real estate sales? And what? How old were you? And what what?
1: Yeah, so I was a senior in high school, um, 18 years old, and was watching an infomercial of Carlton Sheets, No Money Down. Okay. Is that before your time? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Maybe. He just, mean, how old are you? Uh, 41.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm just a few years behind. So I was okay. the, on the Robert Kiyosaki train of those okay. investment seminars.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, this guy did infomercials, um, and it just sounded awesome. Of course, it was an infomercial, so it sounded so awesome, and I remember begging my mom to use her credit card to uh, buy the system. She did buy it for me. I paid her back and I bought my first house when I was probably 19, was probably wow. the summer after. Yeah, it was the summer after my senior year.
0: Okay, so in that, so what did that first deal look like? It, I, I would imagine Northern Tennessee, It's real estate Cheap, was cheaper,
1: right? Yeah, it uh, $32,000. It was a fixer. Uh, it was not a good deal. Okay. But I was too proud and had too much pride to even ask anybody about it because I was tired of people telling me you can't do that, and so I just did it without really telling anybody. Um, learned a lot, but it, it wasn't really a good deal. We sold it ten years later for twenty seven thousand dollars when we moved to Idaho, or a few years later. I don't know how many years it was, but anyway.
0: That's 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 really funny. So I bought my first property when I was twenty, um, and I couldn't afford anything in the Post Falls area where I was living, so I just moved out to Kellogg because it, things were cheaper there. <laughs> and it was 2008, and I bought, uh, and I hardly ever tell this this property story, but the first one I bought was in, in Kellogg for like 86000 and it was a fixer-upper. And I didn't have any money at the time, so I just got a job at Daysmith Motors since they were local there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and over about a year and a half, I put 15000 into this house. And then I decided to go rent it out then because I was going to fix it up and rent it out. I didn't do any research on what I can rent for or anything like that. Um, and it was, and then the market tanked and, uh, it was vacant for almost a year and I eventually got it rented and I was losing like 350 bucks a month at least just from the mortgage to what I was renting it for. And it eventually sold as an REO for like 26 grand. Ouch. <laughs> I had wow. to do a, sh- a short sell, uh-huh. but nobody bought it at the time. So I did a even in <laughs> It was, wow. it was a, a cool first deal. Yeah. <laughs> Took a long time anyway, yeah. go ahead, sorry. So that, so your first deal, you yeah. sold it, did you say, you sold it like 10 years later? Well, for, no,
1: it wasn't 10 years later, um, it was probably six years later, I think I moved here when I was 25, 26, so six, seven years later. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. And we also spent a lot of money on it, and uh, it was the house we moved to when we got married. Which was dumb. I thought I would save some money and move into my rental house. Well, it was a piece of crap for one thing. So i never should have moved my wife in there and like started a family in this house. Uh, How old were you when you got married? 24. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, no, I I was 22. I was 22. Yeah. So, uh, we should have just ran into place, but we moved into that and uh, eventually we bought other properties and moved to better properties. So how did, how did you buy that
0: first property? Did you get a regular loan or were you creative at all? Oh
1: uh, yeah, it was an FHA loan. FHA. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's what I got on my first house.
1: Yep, Owner occupied okay. FHA loan.
0: Okay. Uh, so three and a half percent down on a $30,000 house. Mm-hmm. Not too hard to come up with.
1: Uh, no, it was, it was big. Uh, okay. uh, then I, and at the time I didn't know you could ask the seller to pay your closing costs and my attorney, not my attorney, my agent didn't tell me that. And, um, they told me how much the closing costs were going to be. And I was like, how do you save $3,000? You already want me to save $900. I remember the mortgage broker being like, yeah, I know, man, that's a lot of money. Uh, But we got the sellers to pay closing costs and we were able to get it done. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so, um, and here you are, 41. How many rentals do you have now?
1: We have 53 doors.
0: 53 doors. Right on. And um, so what was the next house like that you bought?
1: Uh, I guess here we would... Call it a single family with an accessory dwelling unit, and it was close to the college campus. It was sixty thousand um, dollars. I bought it with an owner-occupied loan as well. I rented it out to college kids after we lived in it for a little bit. Um, kept it, yeah.
0: Kept it until we moved. Okay. At what and at what point did you get your real estate license?
1: Uh, quickly, uh, I was probably twenty. So. After the first deal, I got my license.
0: Okay. So you got it down in, in Tennessee yeah. before you moved up here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did, were you an agent full time or did you just have it for your investing purposes? Uh,
1: well, I worked at a factory full time, 12 hours a day at Goodyear Tire and Rubber. Uh, on the off days, I would sell real estate and then they moved the factory to Mexico and laid me off. And uh-huh. so it was great because I had my real estate license and it forced me into real estate. Okay. So what were you doing in the, in the factory? Um, to, I worked all over, but I'd work in Final Finish where they would grade the tires. I'd work in the presses where they bake the tires. So it's like crazy, crazy hot. Yeah, and you're pulling tires out of ovens, and it was horrible. I hated it. It was such a motivation to um, just do something different with my life and get the heck out of there. I remember every day I would walk like uh, probably four or five hundred yards to get into the plant, and it was I called it like the walk of doom. I I just hated it. I just the whole way into work just thought, I hate this job so much. I hate this job so much. I can't wait to get out of here.
0: Yeah. So, um, okay. So you got laid off, company moved. Yeah. Out of, out of state or out of the country? Yeah.
1: Eventually. Yep.
0: Okay. So what, um, yeah, how did you get your real estate um, sales business going then? Because I know for, because I was also very, I was like 23 when I got my license. It's kind of tough for a young person, for people to trust you. At least it was for me at the time. Trust that it, somebody so young can know what yeah, they're
1: doing. I guess it's just young and dumb, really, man. It, it never even occurred to me that someone wouldn't want to listen, and I just didn't think about it. now looking back at it, I think, oh, why would anyone trust a 20-year-old kid that can't <laughs> grow a mustache? Um, but, uh, yeah, so I grew up in the town where I worked, and so I knew everyone. It was a small town. Okay. And I liked investing in real estate, so it was easy for me to talk to other investors all. It always has been. And I guess to answer your question more broadly, that was really what helped me get going in selling real estate was uh, there was one investor in town who flipped houses and bought a lot of rentals. And I just cold called him and had something for him to buy and he liked the way I was hustling and he just kept giving me stuff. Well, in a small town, it doesn't take long for people to notice your signs and people saw success and success breeds more success.
0: Right on. Okay. Did you start growing, uh, growing a team down there?
1: No. I had no idea what a team was until I moved up here.
0: Okay. Were you at uh, Kevin Williams down there or? No, Was there tiny
1: one? town, no no franchises really. Okay. In the town, uh, I worked at an independent shop with a lady who's probably my best friend in Tennessee right now, um, I know she is, uh, but she was an amazing mentor, amazing investor. She taught me how to give customer service and how to work with investors and what investors are looking for, so. Mm-hmm. So what brought you up to Idaho? Amanda grew up here. And she kept talking about it, and I said, let's just show me that quarter-whatever place, and let's see it.
0: Quarter-whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh,
1: she wouldn't stop talking about <clears throat> it. So we came up and uh, visited on vacation, and it was pretty awesome. Okay.
0: So I'm assuming you came during the summer then? So it
1: came, uh, they were due, they had just done the fair, so it was right before. Okay. Right before Right before uh, fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just so, beautiful, I mean, total different topography, The the Lakes, crystal clear, there's just nothing like that in the South. Yeah. What, what year was that, that you moved up here? So, we've been here 15 years, so okay. 21, so it's was 06. Okay. 05, 06, I think so October of 05 was when I came here.
0: So, is that why you sold the um, first rental that you bought? Yes. To move up here?
1: Yeah. We sold all of our rentals in Tennessee. How many did you have at that time? Three. Uh, we probably had 12. Oh, wow. That's it a was, lot. Well, it was easy. To yeah. buy real estate there, the the local bank would do it for 10% down. Um, They'd give us our cash back. They look at the appraisals after we fixed them up, so it was easy to acquire deals. And I was doing real estate, and I was young, so yeah. uh, we were able to get a few.
0: What what was the average price point there?
1: Twelve. It was like twelve doors, so some of those were duplexes. Oh okay. Twelve. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. We've always bought on the cheap side, so I'd say less than 50. We could buy a single family house in a decent neighborhood for 50 grand. Okay, good working class neighborhood.
0: Yeah. okay. Um, so you when you moved out to Coeur d'Alene, um, how long did it take you to start get like get your real estate license and start buying stuff up here?
1: Uh, Idaho reciprocated with Tennessee, so my license moved quickly. They don't do that anymore.
0: Um, yeah the same thing with Florida like I I had an active license in Florida and I just had to take the test yeah the state exam
1: I think that was it too I just took this I don't know if I did that but whatever oh. it was it was super easy Um, it was tough yeah it was tough it was there was several several months of just grinding and not getting anywhere
0: yeah because the price point up here was like what double or more than what you were used oh, to Oh
1: yeah right absolutely okay yeah well plus I didn't have a sphere yeah <laughs> I always run a sphere business everyone knew me and no one knew me at all mm-hmm. I had success in Tennessee but that didn't matter the funny thing so
0: I grew up here and I still it didn't matter when I came back and got into real estate everybody has like a really strong <laughs> referral base that they work off of yeah <laughs> it seems like anyway in this area
1: so what are you saying um, when you came here you didn't have a referral base or you had to start over again I had to start over
0: again for sure yeah like I kind of grew up here but I didn't know many people. Yeah. I went to high school and stuff and then I moved away in high school yeah but um, the people even the people that I knew well, they wouldn't work with me. yeah everybody had an agent already or they knew 30,000 agents <laughs> yeah because everybody has their license here.
1: I, I just think when I moved just here it was it's more like a thousand <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, th- I think whenever I moved here I was just so naive. I just had no idea that I just didn't know it was going to be as hard as it was. I think some of the being naive was wonderful because I didn't know anything about high school cliques or who was popular or who wasn't or who was off limits and all those little <laughs> small town rules. I had no idea, and I still don't. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So everything's like a level playing field for me. And coming from such a small town, it was really cool um, just to see all the opportunities. So whenever we went through the big recession... Man, people were buying and selling houses like crazy. And I came from an area where if a new doctor didn't come into town, then nobody bought your $350,000 listing because no one else can afford that listing. Right. So here yeah. all the agents are talking about how horrible it was. And I'm just thinking like, well, if you price the house, right, it just, it sells. This isn't hard. And then I started working with some investors and they priced everything aggressively to sell it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, we just had massive success from there.
0: Yeah, we do. We are kind of privileged up here where there's just always buyers. In the right price point, yeah. It Seems like, yeah, yeah.
1: And I would irritate some of the local agents. Uh, who would say, oh, "Why are you pricing that so low? This, you know, you're going to ruin the comps." Like as if I, I was your control gonna of ruin it. it. <laughs> no, I'm going to sell the property for my client, while you keep your head in the clouds about how expensive or how, you know, that this is a fluke or whatever. Yeah, that's funny. They couldn't get realistic with the market, and I didn't know the market. All I could do is look at the data, you know. Yeah.
0: So what time frame was this?
1: Well, so I remember whenever I came and interviewed with Gary Schneidmiller and Gary told me this was uh, in August and Gary says, we are just finishing a summer where a monkey could put a sign out and they could sell it. So things are changing and it's going to be harder to sell real estate. and People are going to need skills. And he was totally right because people fell out of the business like crazy. So it was right before the recession.
0: So like 07-ish 06, time frame?
1: 06, 07, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And um, how'd you like working at a Coldwell? Coldwell,
1: Coldwell Banker? Yeah. Um, it was great. Gary was nice. Uh, some of my first leads that I actually closed without them, I don't know what we would have done. And those came straight from him. So, yeah, that was. they were a good company. They had marketing materials that I'd never seen at the independent brokerage I came from. Um, they had tech stuff that was unique that I just wasn't used to. And so that was all cool. Okay. Um, so what, what was the
0: first, uh, um, like great investment property that you bought here in North Idaho? Do you mind going in depth about it?
1: Uh, well, I I got a, I got a couple. Um, one was a duplex we bought during the recession. I knew that the area was just so beautiful that it was only going to come back so I, I wasn't worried about low values when other people were and we bought a duplex on Steiner at like a hundred and twelve thousand oh. didn't do anything to it and we sold it a few years later when we needed some money or 1031 or for whatever reason we sold it um, and I think we sold it for 215. Nice. So you know, I
0: remember my dad used to manage a duplex on Steiner when I was little. We are all alike. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> it's if it was the same, the same floor plan. Was it just an old split entry house that had... No. Okay. <laughs>
1: Um. Gosh, I've, I've, then another one would probably be a flipper. I'm trying to think of one of our best flippers. Uh We made like probably eighty thousand dollars on a on a flipper that was from a ad in the paper. We buy houses. Nice. Uh, another investor was trying to buy it, getting the seller to do like a, a seller carry or a participation. I don't know much about it. You probably do, but. Like, he does all the work. They participate in the profits. And she just didn't want to deal with it. And I had a hard money lender who could come in and close it. And so I was able to get it. Was she getting foreclosed on? No, dude. She was totally... The house was totally paid off. She'd inherited it. I have bought so many totally paid off houses (laughs) from people. It is so (laughs) weird. Um, She'd inherited it, totally paid off, did not have money for the electricity, Uh, was running an extension cord from the neighbor's property to, like, get some power over at (laughs) her house. Um... And she just wanted to simplify her life and like get some money in her pocket.
0: Gotcha. So about, about how many flips do you do a year, if you had to guess?
1: Not many. Uh, we switched over to mainly just holding, buying and holding. Uh, so last year, I maybe did two.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, we buy a lot of properties saying we're going to flip them, and then we get about halfway into it, and we decide to keep it. Yeah.
0: And you're doing, you're doing some Airbnbs too, right? Mm-hmm. Are those going okay right now? In the, uh, by the way, as we're recording this, we're in a government shutdown, and uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> there's a lot of uh, Airbnb free cancels <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah, we just got a cancellation today. Oh, <laughs> oh man,
1: <laughs> I was super fortunate. Uh, last winter we tried Airbnb in Coeur d'Alene and I saw that it was not very productive. It, I paid my bills; it was just a big hassle. Yeah. and so I heard about uh, the Travel Nurse website, <coughs> uh, signed up for it, and and maybe September or yeah September I think I started switching over to travel nurses so after we had a fantastic summer season that's a good idea uh, they're looking for furnished 90-day deals and so she renewed so we had six months and it was coming up for like time to put it on Airbnb and it just felt uneasy about the Wuhan virus that was going on in China and I thought man if this comes here this is just going to shut us down so I talked to my partners about it, and uh, they agreed to just renew it on the Travel Nurse website, uh, and we got all of ours renewed with Travel Nurses. And so now that we're in that spot, uh, we'll probably go ahead and finish out the season uh, with Travel Nurses. Although if everything changes, I still have July and August, which are fantastic Airbnb season is a fantastic Airbnb season. Where I can switch over to that, but I'll wait for a while to decide.
0: Okay. So you mentioned partners. Do you, do you have partners on a lot of your uh, long-term holds?
1: Uh, long-term holds. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Amanda okay. and I still have our own portfolio, but over the last three years we've started buying with a partner and, uh, we buy quite a bit together.
0: Okay. What, do you mind if I ask what, what that looks like? A partnership? Yeah. With a long-term hold.
1: Uh, yeah. All four of us have a 25% interest. So husband, wife, husband, wife. Okay. Uh, we set up separate LLCs. Uh, we've grown to have two LLCs to, to spread the risk. Uh, Mike does pretty much all the contracting and the work, so it's super handy, saves us a lot of money. Uh, my job is handling all the numbers. Um, we handle all the insurance stuff. We handle working with the property manager. We handle repairs after they're rented, and obviously acquisition and okay. financing. So financing is a big part of my side of the partnership. OK.
0: Um, and I know you have a lot of like multifamily. Do you, do you have much single family rentals?
1: We don't have a lot of single families. No, okay. Um, maybe at three. Do you do you have a preference? Obviously,
0: I guess you have a preference <laughs> on multifamily, but like, yeah. Do, uh, do you find the uh, single families to be easier to manage at all? Oh sure,
1: yeah. Okay. Actually, I shouldn't even say it was sure" like that because the property <coughs> manager does it pretty much everything. I don't know if there's any any real difference there. Okay. Um, I guess they're easier to liquidate. So easier to liquidate. I, I wish I had more single family right now. Just for diversification within my portfolio, um, right now, if I wanted to free up some cash, there aren't a lot of investors looking to buy multifamily property. Why would they? Because everything's in turmoil. Yeah, there's a lot of buyers looking to buy single-family houses that want to live in them. So that that going forward, I would like to diversify into having a few more single-family rentals.
0: So, if you could right now, would you have a big sell-off? If I could,
1: yeah. I mean, I guess I could. Right now, and I don't.
0: Or are all your properties cash flowing okay, where you can just keep them and they'll help you retire? Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, just keep them and we'll retire with that residual. Have you have you sold anything uh, lately? That just you know because of what's going on or trying to trying to ride the the shift?
1: Uh, I do have a duplex on the market right now just to free up some cash. I go back and forth on it because I love the duplex, and it's like, ah, oh, if this only lasts a couple of months, I'm going to wish I would have kept it. But if it lasts a long time, it would be nice to have my hands on the equity.
0: Mhm. So, with what's going on right now, would you take on any flips or new construction right now at this point?
1: Uh, we bought a rental yesterday. We you bought a rental. Them, yeah. Yeah.
0: But would you would you take on any flips oh, or yeah, or absolutely. Like that? You would? absolutely.
1: Okay. I've been talking with Reed Moore at YList, um, who buys fixers, just about all the uh, ad, not ads, all the inquiries they're having. I'm seeing more traffic on my ads in the paper. So I think we're gonna see huge opportunity for people who just need money. Okay. I think you'll have an opportunity to buy at a deeper discount because of COVID-19. There's so much questionable stuff up in the air that, for, for me, I wouldn't, I, I don't like giant, giant remodels. So I'm a paint and carpet, in and out kind of guy. Yeah. So getting into an extended, massive remodel, I wouldn't probably do that, no.
0: So um, how do you have any projects going on now?
1: Yeah, uh, we just finished an estate house in Kid Island Bay that we'll have on the market tomorrow. Oh, okay. Two bedroom, two baths for $1,500. Uh, it's on a little over an acre. So that was a nice remodel that we bought. Uh, and then we bought one on Government Way, six tenths of an acre with four shops and a house. And uh, we're dividing the shops into four separate units and we'll rent those out and then we'll rent the house separate oh wow that's
0: nice yeah is that um is that like in hayden yeah mm-hmm. okay gotcha so um what what would you say is like your most lucrative um rental that you have
1: mm. um we bought it we bought a house with nine commercial storage units behind it that people run Offices out of like there's gutter guys and contractors and painters, so oh, it wow. gives them a place to have an office. Um, that one does really well, uh, just okay. because it's multi-tenant with so many units, and we've gotten the rents in line. When we bought it, the rents were it was poorly managed and the rents were really low.
0: So, so do you like include? Um, do you include like electricity and stuff like that, or are they all sub-metered? They're, sub- they're separately metered. Okay. Wow, that sounds good. <laughs> So, and, and you got the house rented out. And we got the
1: house and its own government way right by Target. Uh, so it's a fantastic location. It's on an acre. So uh, long term, I'm sure it'll be torn down and turn into something along government way or maybe the house becomes a restaurant and we keep the nine units in the back or something. Gotcha.
0: Um, would you say you spend more time on your investments or your real estate business, your real estate sales business?
1: More on my real estate
0: sales business, for sure. Okay, do you mind talking a little bit about that and how you started it and what it looks like today?
1: My sales business? Yeah. Uh, Sure. Um, Where do you want to start?
0: Um, What what gave you the idea to actually bring on team members or admin? Leverage.
1: Uh, Was working at Windermere during the REO boom. Had a ton of what they call BPOs, broker Price Opinions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was doing all the photography, all the data input. Transactions, everything by myself. Didn't have a clue how to really have an assistant. Uh, at one point, I did hire someone to help with transactions, but I was doing so much volume that it was just a drop in the bucket.
0: For those that don't know what a BPO is, do you mind explaining that slightly?
1: Yeah, broker price opinion. It's a mini appraisal that banks use to price homes during a recession or during a when they own a bank a property.
0: Okay. And were you doing that to be able to list their properties or were you doing it just for side income?
1: I was doing it all along just to list their properties. Okay. Yep. Um, So I'd do those. Those take a lot of time. You have to evict people, do (coughs) what's called cash for keys to get people out of the house. The whole process was just very time consuming. Um, One good thing is it made me go digital long before Other people went digital because I was dealing with banks that needed to see the PDFs, so that was really cool. I've always been paperless since I've been up here for the most part. Um, So in doing all that, I was coming home for dinner, going back to work, and then working till like 2, waking up and doing it all over again. Holy crap. It was horrible. Uh, But I was making money, and no one else was making money, and people were going out of business, so I, I knew what I had, but I didn't want to keep living my life like that. Uh, Keller Williams started teaching leverage and talking about training for leverage and hiring a team members and all that good stuff. So um, I moved from Windermere to Keller Williams where I learned a lot about running a team. Okay. Who brought you over to Keller? Uh, ben. Ben did? Ben okay. Fairfield recruited me up. know. Right uh So then Ben helped me uh, grow a team and taught me, not taught me, told me the classes to go to to learn how to hire the right people. Uh, how important hiring the right people was, how to train those people, and all that good stuff. Um, So over the years, uh, we've built a really good team. I've got three buyer's agents right now. Uh, Someone helps me with listings, Daniel, uh, and then a transaction coordinator, and then Hannah runs our operations. Um, We're learning how to do it all remotely right now, which is interesting. I don't like it as much. It's way more fun to have the energy of everybody together. So hopefully we'll get over this soon.
0: So uh, most of the people that I interview, they're just yeah, they're real estate investors, mainly. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're the first like top producing agent that we've had. Do you mind talking a little bit more about like what it looks like? I think so many people are just used to a real estate agent and they're doing a job of showing houses or listing houses and marketing and admin and all that. So do you mind just talking a little bit more about why you would bring on people or why those people would work for you? Um, and what the splits look like just to give people an idea what why yeah, would they use so, a team versus just one person? Well it, it's
1: the service it's oh, gosh so, so much of it is the service and I didn't know this whenever we started a team I, I built a team just so that I could spend time with my family uh, before I had a team whenever people would call on a sign during the REO boom and I was just so busy uh, the house would already be sold and <laughs> I would be <laughs> like Oh yeah, that home sold. Thanks, bye. You know, i just no <laughs> information. Yeah. No, I didn't care who they were. I didn't care that they were approved. I was just drowning in in listing stuff. Um,
0: so, so to pause you for a second, for those wondering w- why that is such a not a, fa- a failure, but <laughs> yeah, if when somebody calls just to inquire about a house, you have a big opportunity there, even if the house already sold, to convert that person because it, there's a reason they're calling you and not their agent inquiring about a house. That just means they, they potentially they check. you can help them buy a house, average commission, what, eight, seven, eight grand. Um, So every time you just get off the phone with them and don't try to get their info, try to convert them and try to help them out, you potentially just lost seven or $8,000 every time you hang up the phone.
1: Which is why I needed to build a team. And that was one of the first things I realized was how much money I was leaving on the table just by not having someone to answer those calls. Um, So I hired a transaction coordinator person to help with all the paperwork. I mm-hmm. hired a buyer's agent, Stephen, who's been with me seven years now, um, and he has That's handles, tough to do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Stephen handles the buyers, um, and he did that alone until I hired his brother five years ago, um, and it allowed me to just work on my relationships and focus on working with investors and my own investments. Uh, having someone to do all the paperwork relieved just so much just time that I was spending on just paperwork stuff that's not really a part of the sales transaction Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I I built a team for time for me and then one of the things that I found was the service that's where I was going the service we can offer the client so uh, we took a listing right before winter where everyone else said they couldn't get the house painted. and we were able to use my vendors from investing call them get them over there on the last week uh, before it was like the last sh- uh, exterior that he was able to do I called him with like a couple of days notice and we were able to sell the house painted instead of a stupid credit yeah um, credits don't really work do yeah they? credits don't really work um, you know everything from the aerial maps that show where the well is and the pump house and the barns and the property lines just all that stuff takes time mm-hmm. and when you're working with a team there are people who that's their job is to optimize the listing and make it as easy as possible for the buyers agents to show the property and find the corners and get it marketed and have the videos and all that stuff uh, you just you just can't do that alone yeah okay so um,
0: did you have to go through many um, um, assistance when you first started um,
1: I wouldn't say so, no.
0: No? Okay. I know that's common with a lot of people, but it, it was with me. <laughs> yeah. Did you find the right person to help you at, with the admin work?
1: Yeah, we've definitely but, yeah. gone through a few. Um, I wouldn't say really gone through. It's We've all always parted on good terms. One went into sales. Um, two went into sales. Yeah, I guess I've lost a couple just to getting into sales. Okay. All right. Do you plan on growing anymore with that business, or you? Uh, uh, it's it's on pause, I guess. Any, any growth is on pause, and we're in survival mode now. So we've redone our budget to survive. What we're calling survive to thrive. Uh, just cut out everything we possibly can, uh, just to get through this period. So we know how many buyers and listings we need and uh, to get through where we hit profitability, and then um, that's our that's our goal for right now as fresh as we are with cv19
0: yeah have you taken advantage of the payroll protection program yet
1: yeah okay cool yeah me too We we just got our funds today oh which did is you awesome yeah sweet talking to another <coughs> investor who said that he got his funds today i've been approved and supposedly they're going to me a docu I haven't seen anything yet
0: yeah i just got it this morning as soon as i signed it it was just there which is kind of cool wow yeah but cool yeah okay so what's next for you And I know this is kind of a weird question because we're in a weird time where it's not your typical shift. Things just stopped.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's next is, I guess, just playing defense every day, really heavy, waking up, going to work. Um, My office is empty, so I'm able to go to work. Um, I don't have to work from home, I guess is what I'm saying. And that helps me just be focused and keep my game face on. Uh, Looking for motivated sellers on the real estate side, looking for buyers who want to take advantage of the unique opportunity that is out there right now. Uh, Working with my investors to see, hey, what does a good deal look like for you right now? If you were to buy something, if you were to buy something, what would it be? What would that look like? Just so that we know what they're looking for. Um, Really just a lot of trying all kinds of stuff because we don't really know what works Mm -hmm. right now. And uh, it's really important to me to keep making money and not go backwards in everything that we've built.
0: Is your client database, is it retail heavy or um, investor heavy?
1: Uh, I'd say about 30% investor. Okay,
0: gotcha. So the retail part just pretty much, did, did it come to a halt for now?
1: No, not at all. Nope. No, we've still, we listed five homes last week. Yeah. Um, three of those are from... Retail. two of those are investors. So we're still getting, we're still able to do real estate.
0: What's the, what are the showings like right now?
1: Uh, you know, the biggest thing for me has been having to negotiate with the tenants just to get oh. access. Uh, so I've got a third party that I'm negotiating with. That's a total key part of the process. Uh, we are doing video walkthroughs on every listing. We're asking that the buyers be pre-approved before they look at the listing And then we're making sure that they've actually watched the virtual tour. Uh, And then if the tenants will let me, I'll schedule it. If not, I've had success with saying, hey, can we show Saturday from one to three, only approved buyers, and we'll be there with gloves and booties. And I've gotten a couple of showing blocks like that. Interesting.
0: Okay. Do you think, um, you think everything's going to go back to normal here in a couple of days when the stay-at-home order is released or supposedly going to be released, or do you think they'll be extended?
1: know I, I think it'll there's a lot of pressure on both sides so I, I really don't know I guess I'm planning for the worst and hoping for the best okay What
0: so um, what what are what's gonna be like your next big investment you think
1: big investment well, yeah we don't really do a lot of big investments we only really do small investments
0: so do you give it like four units and less for the most part
1: I try to keep it like Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and less. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's um, hard to find lately, all right? It's definitely hard. We keep we keep scraping them up, uh, but yeah, for sure they're hard. Um, so we'll probably just keep doing that. We like to buy with a really good equity position. We like to buy fixers that need work because Mike can handle all the work really efficiently, um, and then uh, bring that value up and hopefully get it refinanced
0: okay awesome any advice for people out there that are just getting started
1: um just so just getting started hmm. what would i say to them? i'd say m- make sure that you know what you're that the agent that you're working with knows investments and they're not just wanting to sell you a, uh, a property and just make a commission. Uh, as you're getting started, one bad investment could just really tank you. And obviously it's okay. Nick and I both made our first investments for crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the common denominator was took probably five years for me to do it again. <laughs> probably either did it for sale by owner or used a crappy agent that didn't tell, you no. I don't know.
0: Uh, it just they didn't care just <laughs> didn't care.
1: I'd say work with work with an investor that understands the market, that understands the rental market and then make sure you're going to be cash flow positive. Um, if you're doing a flip, obviously make sure you have all of your expenses in there when you budget uh and don't forget your closing costs on the back end.
0: So, uh a new should a new investor be worried at all that you know, if they're going to use an agent, why use an agent that's an investor? Aren't they going to take all the best deals first? Is that, is that ever a conflict of interest with you and your clients?
1: Not really. It does come up a lot where people ask that. Um, but I always say there's, because I'm so connected with the other investors and people know that I buy fixers and flippers that they're always calling us for that. And then we market a lot, like a lot. We send letters, we're in the newspaper for we buy houses. Uh, and I can't buy all those houses. Yeah, I, I don't. So I spend all that money to help bring in inventory to then share with the investors. And we get creative. If they're willing to look in the Silver Valley, we'll look in the Silver Valley. Uh, it seems like everyone has a niche. There's some people who want giant fixers and they can do all the work. There's some people who want paint and carpet. Uh, and if we're just totally not a match, I'll just, I'll just tell them that we're probably not going to be able to do that. Uh, help you find whatever they're looking for. Uh, But for the most part, we're always able to find enough.
0: Okay. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh,
1: JT at BrokerSinclair.com or 208-818-8385. Awesome.
0: And uh, you said your building is empty. Are you looking for tenants?
1: Well, all my staff is working from home. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) we do have our property up for rent. So. Okay. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. I
0: take your hand, but I don't know how. <laughs> this um, one. Yeah, we'll see. This is a weird time, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.